Thanks, Phil. I'm going to be reading Luke 17, 20 through the end of the chapter, which is 37. <clears throat> Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to the disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there it is, or here he is. Do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who was on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, as their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Good morning. Hi, my name's Tim. Good morning. I'm the lead pastor here. It's, uh, even after reading that, it's good to be with you this morning. So uh, we, we do that. If you're, if you're new, we, we stand and we read scripture together and then we, we, we talk through it. We teach through it. We study it together. And um, part of that, as you just heard, is uh, when the scripture is read and it's done, then we say, thanks be to God. Uh, and I'm just going to acknowledge what sounded like a kind of a less than thanks be to God just then. It was kind of thanks, thanks be to God, which is, which is fine. This is a, um, I want to invite you to something. We, we pray together at, at 930 on Sunday mornings. Um, and so just in this space, come in and, and we, we hold a prayer time together. And one of the things that Phil led us in this morning was uh, take a minute to reflect of what you're bringing into, what's going on with you right now, what's going on in your heart. Uh, identify that. And then that very thing, would you pray for others that are coming into this room in about a half an hour? Would you pray for them? And the, the thing that, that came to my mind was uh, distracted. And uh, each person had something different that they prayed through and prayed for others. So if that's you this morning, that you're coming in and you're, you're feeling distracted, or if reading that distracted you, just know that, that we've been praying for one another already this morning, that God would work in our time here together. And even when we look at a, at a 
complicated text like this one is, we believe that God has something for us. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me, uh, and then we'll look, look at Scripture together. Let's pray. God, you are here in, in our midst. You are here with us. You are present. Uh, and as you invite us to meet with you and to hear from you, uh, to not leave the week behind us uh, separate, but to actually bring that with us in here, that you meet us uh, in all of who we are and all what we've experienced. And we, we believe that you have something good for us and hopeful and healing. And so we want to be open to receive that from you today. We declare in this place that you alone are God. There's no one else like you. And Holy Spirit, would you move and work, not just in this, in this room, would you do that, but also in, in each of us? Would we actually be available to you to, to speak something to us? Would we be open to hearing a truth that we've not heard before? Would we be open to making a change that you've been prompting in us for some time and we just haven't made it? Would we be open to receiving from you, Holy Spirit? And Jesus, you are king, you are savior, you are rescuer, you are redeemer. And for those of us in this room at this time who know you, would you lead us and teach us and guide us as we look to your word? And for those of us that don't know you or are unsure, would we hear something new from you today that reminds us or tells us that you're alive, that you're reigning, that you're in control, and that you have something for us in this life? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I, uh, so I started working out recently. I didn't, I didn't know what kind of response I would get. And I know, I know, you can't tell. That's, that's fine. Um, when, I, when I say recently, I just want to be clear. I, uh, yesterday. <laughs> I started working out again yesterday. And uh, I had not since early January. And so it had been about three months. And so, uh, but I'm, I'm feeling great right now. No, not really. But I started working out yesterday. The first thing I did was, uh, I think something you're supposed to do. I don't remember. It's been a little while. But I, I stretched. I just stretched, and you know, I was looking at this uh, this video thing, this guy on screen, and so I'm doing what he's doing, and I'm 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 doing this, and I'm stretching because I'm getting ready to work out. And uh, as I was going to sleep last night, I thought that's exactly what we need to do as we start looking at this passage this morning. Is we need to stretch as we get ready to to do some work in Scripture together this morning. And the way I want to do that is uh, to look at part of our vision statement as a church. This is part of our, our vision statement as a church. It says this, We will contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples. And then we kind of define that a little bit. Formed by God's Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and sent by Jesus. So there is, there is a God that we worship and follow and believe in, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and, and we want to be formed by God's word, not just the Bible, but the truth that comes through it, his, him speaking to us. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Scripture teaches us that when we choose to follow Jesus, that he gives us the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us who believe. Now, some of us have learned how to hear his voice and follow his promptings. Some of us are freaked out by that. We don't totally know what it means. Some of us have had experiences that are undeniable and changed the trajectory of our life as we've experienced the Holy Spirit. And then the conviction, because as we read the story of God throughout Scripture, and then we get into the New Testament, as we get into the church, which we are a part of generations later, that, that Jesus is actually on mission to the lost and broken in our world. 
At one point, each and every one of us were one of those. And we want to be sent with Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus in this world. We want to be courageous and resilient because we happen to live in the Pacific Northwest. We happen to live in or near Portland, Oregon. And to follow Jesus in Portland, Oregon takes courage and resiliency. And so as a church body, we want to be that kind that's forming people to be courageous and to stand and be distinctly different. And we do not believe that that is possible without the Bible, that the Bible is helping to form us of how we think in the world. Part of what we're experiencing here is stepping out of the rhythm of our week, which we all have very different weeks. We do different things, we learn different things, we work at different things, we are, live in different places. And a lot of what we experience throughout our week is a forming, or if I can say it this way, a deforming of us. And the moments throughout our week, whether it's here, whether it's time alone with God, or it's opening scripture on our own, is God speaking to us what is true and to form us back into what is real and good and hopeful that he has for us. And so when we, when we say that this is part of who we are, that we are formed by God's word, we wanna take that seriously. And we have decided, and you know this if you've been around, that we've been just teaching through the book of Luke. Luke is 24 chapters, it's really long. Uh, we've, we've covered some of the later ones already through uh, triumphal entry and uh, the resurrection passages and, and all those kind of things. So we're at, we're writing down chapter 17, but we've already covered some of the other ones. It's a long time through, and we're working through. And I, I just need to tell you that me and others that, have, that teach are part of the team, we, there's, there's parts where we would like to go, I'd, I'd rather skip that. Either because I don't know what it means yet, uh, or it, I know what it means and it's very difficult to say, or um, it's just really confusing. We can stretch and get ready for this today a little bit by just reminding ourselves that scripture is God's word to us and it helps to form us to be the courageous and resilient disciples that Jesus is making in and through this church and many other churches around our city. The next thing I did after I stretched was I looked around my little workout space in the garage and I have uh, two adult sons and one 16-year-old son uh, that all aspire to be very muscular. And so they use that space a lot and it kind of gets left a mess. And so I had to move some things around in order to just have space to work out. So what I'd like to do is try to move some obstacles that might be in our way before we get ready to work out. You heard that scripture just read. Let me, let me just highlight a few obstacles that might be there for you. So one of them is uh, Noah and Lot, um, specifically a flood that destroys everything, destroys all. And then Lot, this is even, you know, you know water kind of rising is one thing, but, but fire and sulfur of coming down and destroying all is a whole nother picture. So those are like apocalyptic, scary, frightening things, and it just says destroyed all. So those are points in history that we have recorded in, in scripture and God wiped out so many on the earth in order to bring back a sense of goodness and wholeness to the earth where it was so corrupted. And a very big boat in a very big flood had a very large family left on with a bunch of animals and other stuff and God did reset. That's, that's Noah Lot and his family go fleeing from a town that was corrupted and evil and harming and brutalizing and abusing people and God said, get out because I'm gonna deal with it. And it's not gonna be pretty. Those are 
difficult passages in scripture and Jesus is referring to them now then. The next thing Jesus says that might be an obstacle to you is like, what's it like with two people in bed, like a husband and wife in bed, and then what they wake up in the morning and one's just gone? Like what's that, there's two, two women out working and then all of a sudden just one's gone. And if you're not familiar with this, um, those verses and others that seem to be similar have been taken and there's been whole books and movies made about it. We, uh, um, when we, during our worship planning time this week, uh, I won't name who it was, but one person pulled up a YouTube video of a song, I think it was from the 80s, uh, that kind of talks about a passage like this and just be gone. And there's this, there's this fear generated through it of some, God's gonna come back, Jesus is gonna come back and then people are just gonna start disappearing and planes will just crash because a pilot was a follower of Jesus. And I don't know how to wrap my brain around that. Here's just an interesting thought for you. When Jesus is talking about this and he says there's two people in bed and one's, one's gonna be on, he's talking about the, the speed in which, the urgency with which something will change. And in the context of these verses, he's not actually saying the one taken away is the one that is preserved and good and safe and maybe in heaven. It's actually the opposite. Israel at that time was used to other people coming in and raiding them and taking over them and ruling over them for the last few generations. And so the fear was not that somebody would get taken away and I would be left, it was the reverse. It was that somebody that I loved would come and that somebody else would come and take the person I love and, and they'd be gone. And in a sense, there's a sense of judgment in that. So if we can't just move that one away. And then it, it ends with this just bizarre picture of the disciples asking, when is this gonna happen, Jesus? And Jesus says, um, well, where there's dead bodies, vultures will come. Okay, I'm gonna write that, I'm gonna remember, thank you, Jesus. That's fantastic, I, I got that. So stay away from dead bodies and I can avoid vultures. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't totally know. But what Jesus is saying is, where there's dead bodies, there's a lack of life. And where there's a lack of life, things kind of decay. And one of the things that we see with that in nature is that vultures come down for dead bodies and, and that's not a good thing. And so he doesn't fully answer it, but he gives this picture. These are awkward and bizarre and even apocalyptic kind of statements. And so if we can just kind of for a minute set them to the side, they're part of the picture, but if we can set them to the side and, and work out with what Jesus is really talking about. Let's look at that, because what Jesus is talking about, he really, really cares about. In fact, what Jesus is talking about is, is one of the most important things to Jesus, in that he talks about it more frequently than anything else. And so we're gonna look at 17, verse 20, to begin with. So if you've got a Bible, turn there, and it'll be up on the screen, but let's read just a couple verses here to see what it is that is so important to Jesus that he's talking about. It says in verse 20, once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God more than anything else. When he starts his, what's kind of his, his coming out party or his, his public ministry, when he starts letting people know who he is, he goes from town to town to village to village to conversation to conversation and he says, I wanna tell you about the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. There's, a, there's an announcement, something has happened and I want you to know about it. And what he's talking about is the kingdom of God. And so he talks about it and even at, throughout the book of Luke, it's the kingdom of God is mentioned uh, 32 times 
It's, it's a theme. It's the, it's the thing that Jesus is talking about all the time. And he's got some Pharisees, some religious leaders who show up and ask him, and they ask him, when is it coming? When is it going to be here? Now, the Pharisees were not uh, huge fans. They were not followers of Jesus. They were intrigued by him, but they weren't following him. And maybe, maybe that's where you're at. You're like, Jesus is interesting to me, but I'm not yet following Jesus, but I'm kind of peering over at him and wondering about him. And the Pharisees were, were doing that. And so they asked him, you keep talking about the kingdom of God. And the Pharisees said, we know about the kingdom of God too. So I'm going to ask you a question about it. When is it coming? You talk about it more than anybody else. When is it coming? And Jesus offers this answer and he says, it's not like a, a thing where you can point to it and say, there it is, or here it is. And what he's saying in that is, he says, you can't look out and see it coming towards you, like arriving. It's not like that. And then he throws in this, it's in your midst. And that, they just kind of would have gone cross-eyed at that point, or they kind of just would have walked away, like whatever, you don't know what you're talking about. See, Jesus, this really important thing to Jesus that he talked about consistently was the kingdom of God. And we talk about it regularly and frequently. It is in our songs. We read verses, we refer to verses, we quote verses that say the kingdom of God. And I wonder if we're familiar with what the kingdom of God is. Or maybe we each have our own idea of what the kingdom of God is and let's see if it's what Jesus has in mind because he talks about it so much. And so if I can, if I can say this, I wanna walk through just for a moment what the kingdom of God is, but I want you to know this you are invited to be a part of it. You not only are invited to be a part of the kingdom of God, you're invited to have a role in the kingdom of God. You're invited to have a role in the thing that was most important to Jesus. Here, here it is, so the, the, the kingdom of God. Maybe you know what it is, maybe you have no idea, maybe you just kind of go along with the words in the song, and you're like, yeah, the your kingdom come, your will be done. Yeah, like I, that's in a prayer, like okay. Here's, here's what Jesus means when he talks about the kingdom of God. The, the, the first thing, if, if just a, a simple definition, it's not, it's not full, uh, it doesn't cover all the bases, but it gets at the core of it. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. The rule of God. So it, it, think about it this way. Um, you, we all have different uh, kind of realms that we rule in, right? I mean, you, you do. Maybe it is only your personal body space. Maybe you're um, in your parents' home still, and you're like, yeah, my, my reign and rule is really limited, and it is only in, in my room. And, and then even sometimes it's not even there. Like, they, they come in and tell me what I have to do in, in my room and, and how it has to look and be, and be set up. So my, my realm where I rule is very small. Uh, maybe uh, others of you have, have gotten married and you've had children and now you have a home and, and you're like, my reign and rule is expanding and this is a great idea but very overwhelming. Maybe you got promoted and you have a job where you supervise or responsible for more people and you, you maybe feel a sense of, of accomplishment that your realm is expanding. I mean, you would never say that to anybody, right? But, but like that's kind of like, like those thoughts kind of go on the back of your like, this is where I am in control. And then in that space where you're in control, when things don't go the way you want, in that space where you're in control, when all of a sudden it feels like your power is diminishing and shrinking and it's frustrating and discouraging. 
When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, what he is saying is that what God wants done is going to be done. It's not done right now. And we know that today. We can look around our city. We can look uh, around our, our, our homes. We can look around our own relationships and go, oh, this is, this is not what I want. I want for so much more than this. I want it to be healthy. I want it to be good. I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be safe, generous. And it's, there's so much of our world that is not that. Jesus is saying that God's rule, what God wants for all of humanity and all of creation is coming. It's coming. And there's little glimpses of it and there's signs of it where what God wants done is done. Uh, Dallas Willard, I don't know if he's the first one to say it this way, um, but because he's a philosopher, he kind of talks like this, but Dallas Willard says, the kingdom of God is is the rule of God's effective will. I can relate to that as a dad because there are things that I want to be done and they don't happen sometimes and then my will is not effective. God's will, what God wants done is going to be done ultimately And it's happening increasingly throughout history, throughout time. And we see a lot of places that it's not happening. But the kingdom of God comes where what God wants done is done. There's five elements to it that this is really helpful, I think, to kind of wrap our minds around. When when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about these five elements. So just hang on for this. There's five of them. A kingdom involves a king. There has to be a king. It doesn't make sense to say um, there's a kingdom, but there's not not a king. There's somebody that is is in control, is ruling. There's a rule. There's a particular character to the, the exercise of power of that king. So there's a rule. Now, the God of the Bible is ruling by bringing redemption over time. That's what God is doing. God is seeking to bring redemption throughout all of human history, throughout humanity, and throughout creation. That's what God has said he is going to be about and he is going to do. So there's a king, there's a rule, and then there's a people. It doesn't make sense to have a kingdom without any people. That would just be like property or something or space. So there's a a people who are under the king's rule. And then there's a law. And, 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 and law in scripture, it, there's a very clear law in the Old Testament. And then when Jesus arrives, he says, I'm going to fulfill that law. I'm gonna make it bigger and fuller. And then he talks through and teaches through the Sermon on the Mountain. And if you read Matthew's chapters five, six, and seven, you see this radical call to live a completely different life. And what Jesus is saying is, the people that live this kind of life are experiencing the rule of a very good God. And so he takes the Old Testament law and he, he flushes it out, he fulfills it and says, this is the kind of life that we're called to now in the world. Later on in the New Testament, we get to Paul and he's writing about it and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit comes and the church is in movement and it's happening, he says the Holy Spirit is working through us and we see the fruits of the Spirit. These kind of people that are living under the rule of a good God, a good King. And the last part, the fifth part is land. There has to be a space, a place where this is happening. It doesn't happen just in our minds. It doesn't just happen in a spiritual realm. So if you go kingdom of God and you don't start with scripture, if you start with another source, say like Google, you will be told that the kingdom of God is a spiritual realm. It is and it isn't. The kingdom of God is in the world. The kingdom of God is present. The kingdom of God is tangible. The kingdom of God is even physical at times. It it happens in place all throughout scripture. When it talks about a kingdom, it's talking about a land that you can look at at a map. 
that you can put a fence around, that this is the, the space, this is the land, this is the territory that belongs to this king. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he says it's starting and there's signs of it. And there is a good king who has a particular kind of rule over a people who have been redeemed by him and are following him and are worshiping him. And there's a way of life, a law that they are living under and seeking to embody. And it's happening in real time, here and now. And we can see it and touch it and hear it. And so that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God. When we come to our scripture today, Jesus has responded to the Pharisees and he said, it's not a, a thing that you can just look at and say, here, it's coming over the hill. Or here, I, an, an announcement of it and I know when it's coming, I can point to it. He says, no, it's different than that. And then he throws this curveball and he says, it's in your midst. It's in your midst. And so this is the fourth thing that we, I mean, the third thing we want to look at when we think about the understanding the kingdom of God is this idea of it's in our midst. There are some who, who take this and, and, and turn it into it's within you. The kingdom of God is, is within you, which, which that's kind of a, there's a sense that God is, is with me and in me because of the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus means here. He doesn't mean it's just like a, a metaphysical, spiritual reality or an idea or a concept. That is not what Jesus has in mind. It's far more tangible and, and easy to understand. When Jesus says, the kingdom of God is in your midst, it's as if he's winking at them and going, it's me. It's, I'm here, I'm here. my feet are on the ground. I got sandals on. I got a beard and long hair. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. You've heard me say over and over and over again. I'm going to suffer and die. I'm the promised. That's new. Just stood right in the middle there. Jesus is doing something very simple. He's just simply saying, I I'm here. And that's not a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go really still. That's not new information. He has, he's been saying this the whole time. Okay. Wow, that was, you guys are very quick. If you can just give them a hand. Ethan, James, Jeremy, thanks, you guys. Uh, the fact that that does not happen more often tells you how skilled they are. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, you guys. Um, I'm sure that was my fault, and I'm sorry. I don't know what I did, but... Um, so I don't remember where we are, so I'm just going to start over again. So I started working out, <laughs> and uh, so I started stretching. And it, what stretching is like is... Um, okay, so uh, I think we were talking about Jesus, which is good. That's a good place to go. But... Uh, Jesus is, is pointing to himself, and uh, there have been, uh, there's almost countless numbers of people who have claimed to be Jesus since Jesus, um, and there was actually some that claimed to be the Messiah before Jesus, and so that was not a new thing, and so Pharisees would test him and say, hey, do we, do we buy this or not? Do we believe you? And Jesus over and over and over says, no, 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 I'm the real one. I am the one. I was told about before I came. I've come now. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to rise again. He was telling all this, and, and they just did not not, not get it. And so when he points to himself, 
He said, God is working in a new way, a promised way that he said he would, and now he has, and I'm the evidence of that. And so he says, I'm in your midst. He's not talking about some kind of like hard to grasp kind of internal personal change. Jesus does that, but that's not what he's talking about here. That's something separate. He says, no, I am the king, I have arrived, and I'm gonna demonstrate my power by conquering the most powerful thing that you can think of or imagine, which is death. I'm going to do that. And so when he says, in your midst, Jesus says, I'm, I'm here now, which means that I'm bringing the kingdom with me, and I'm going to start changing things around here. It will look different. It won't look good all of a sudden, but there is change that's coming. And so he goes through that and says, I, in your midst is, is the kingdom because I am here now. And then, and then uh, John uh, chapter, in the, in the book of John, John chapter one, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelled among you. He says, I am that word. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. It's, it's me. I'm the king. I'm going to bring redemption now for you that choose to receive it. Jesus says about the kingdom. See, when we, when we think about the kingdom as we're, as we're starting to envision it and get a picture of it and get clarity for it, it would be easy to say, I want to I wanna pick up like a, a hammer and nail and build it. I want to contribute by doing this one thing and making the kingdom and bringing it more. And, and Jesus says, no, you actually need to receive it like a child. You need to receive it from me. I need to give it to you. You can... Um, you can inherit it. I'm choosing to give it to you. And you can choose to enter into it. But you and I do not create the kingdom. We participate with the king who is bringing his kingdom. And we can receive it from him as an inheritance. And we can step into it when we see it. But we don't make it ourselves. But Jesus is saying it's here in your midst. It's, it's present right now. And then he goes on and he says things like, here's how to pray. And he has this sense of your kingdom come, your will be done. And so what we have is that the kingdom is already present, but it's not yet complete. And so we stand in this in-between time where it is present. God's kingdom is present in this world, but it is not fully present. It's not consummated. It's not complete. And we're in this in-between time. And that's where you and I live, is in the in-between time. Jesus says this later on in, 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 this, in this text. He says next to his disciples, the time is coming where you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there it is, or here it is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus, again, he talks to the, the Pharisees and he turns to his disciples and says, hey, don't go off every time you hear of a new Messiah coming or a new uh, person who claims to be Jesus. I alone am the one. And you're going to know I'm the one because I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected by everybody. And they experience that. They experience his rejection. Some of them actually are rejected themselves. All of them later suffer for following him. But he says, I am the king still, and I am bringing my kingdom into this world, and you are going to be part of it. And then he says this, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. And when he says just like this, what he's talking about is Noah and the flood that came, all of a sudden the people were living and doing life. They were uh, marrying and building things and working, and they were eating and drinking and being married. All of that kind of stuff was going on. Life was going on. And then the flood came with Lot, 
and the fire and sulfur. Life was going on. It wasn't good. It was abusive. It was deceitful. It was damaging. But life was just happening. And then God showed up and said, no, I'm going to judge this. And we're going to start over with a different city, but not this one. They're evil. I'm going to start with a new people. So Jesus is saying, that's what it will be like the Son of Man is revealed. Not that there's fire and sulfur coming down. Not that there's a flood coming up. He's saying it's going to be, it's going to be sudden. It's going to arrive all of a sudden. On that day, no one who is on housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. There's this mysterious statement from Jesus that is recorded in the other Gospels as well. Whoever tries to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life, and other Gospels say, for my sake, We'll preserve it. We'll save it. We'll find it. Jesus is saying, look around you. When you look around the world around you, the people around you, when you look at your own life, are you looking at it through a lens that is, that is clarified by my kingdom and my plan and my love for you? Or are you looking at it through a lens that is all about this world and that's it? Jesus says, people are going on and living their life, but a day is coming, and it will, it, there's an urgency now, and then all of a sudden it will be here. And I'm telling you now that I'm bringing my kingdom, but there will be a day where I arrive and establish it. And part of that will be judgment, and it will happen all of a sudden. And so in the here and now, in the already and not yet, how is it that you view your world? What is most true for you? What is most real? Is it Jesus or is it anything else? And he says, we all have this tendency. We're naturally wired to care about our stuff a lot. And so we're in a constant ongoing discussion slash battle with our possessions. All of us have a longing to experience some kind of fulfillment or pleasure. And so we're in an ongoing discussion with ourselves of what is right and what is wrong and what is healthy and what is unhealthy, what fits within my boundaries and outside of my boundaries. And Jesus says, however you are viewing and assessing your life, if it is about this world and this world only and it is not primarily about me and at the center of your life, you need to know that when that day arrives, you'll be found wanting. But if you actually let go of your life and give it to me and trust me with it, when that day comes, you will be mine. You will be my people and you will have a rule in your life and a law and a way of living in your life and you will have a land and my kingdom will be established and you will be a part of it. And for many of us in this room, we are a part of it. And there might also be many of us right now in this room or listening where you're saying, I, I'm on the fence. I want, I want God's kingdom. I want it around me. I want it in my city. I want it in my home. I want it in my neighborhood. I want it in my own life but I also want a lot of this world, both. I want to hold one in one hand and one in the other hand. And this bizarre, apocalyptic, confusing text that ends with saying, where there are dead bodies, or said another way, where there is a lack of life, where I am not present and ruling, death perpetuates, and the vultures just know it's there. And so where in your life are you struggling right now to say, God, I want you to have all of who I am. I've tried to hang on to this and I just want to let it go and set it down. 
onto this and I just want to let it go. I cannot bring life on my own. I cannot find enough fulfillment, enough meaning, enough pleasure that does what you are intending and promised to do in my life for all of my life, which will extend for all of eternity. And so Jesus is saying, first to the Pharisees and then to his disciples, your decisions matter. How you think about what is true matters. How you follow me and surrender your life matters. We come to these tables every Sunday we gather, and this is actually part of what we're doing. Is we're saying, God, I believe you, Jesus, have laid down your life, and so I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna lay it down. And maybe there's a part that you know today is, is, the, is where the battle is for you and that you're, you've been losing it and now is your moment to say, no, I'm gonna lay this down. I don't know what it means to trust Jesus with this new part of my life, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna seek and find answers. Jesus lays down his life, body and blood, body broken and blood spilled for me and for you and says, come, give me your life, trust me. I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. I am here with you and will sustain you and hold you through all of this life. And so I wanna invite you, as we, as we sing, as we come, what is that thing that you know that you're at battle with right now, that you're hanging on to, that is actually part of this world and not part of God's kingdom? And is it a, is it a selfish, just willful, I'm going to hang on to it? Is it a confusion? I don't know what to do. Is it a fear? I don't know what will happen if I let go. But the invitation from Jesus this morning right now is to lose your life by giving it to him, knowing and claiming the promise that it will be preserved for all of time in his kingdom forever and ever. Jesus, as we come to your table, to your meal, to you this morning, we're reminded that you laid down your life, that just as you said in these verses this morning, that you went and suffered and you were rejected by this generation. And for some of us, that is what we fear the most, is being rejected by the world around us. And so would you give us strength, hope, and vision? Would you allow us to taste and experience your grace and your forgiveness so that we might be courageous and resilient, walking with you and in your power in this world, in the here and now? As we come this morning, we come confessing, we come laying down, we come with anticipation of what you're gonna do in and through us in the days and weeks and years to come.